Hey guys, get ready for an exciting episode of Embrace the Imbalance, the podcast that shares lessons learned from all kinds of people. Whether you're a teenager trying to find your way, a young adult who's figured out a few things, or a full-on adult who, well, is smart enough to know that you still have a lot to learn, you're in the right place. So sit back and relax because we're about to get started. I'm Tina McIntosh. Our guest today is one of those people that others turn to. He cares deeply about his beloved wife, his family, and his friends. He's involved in his church and community. He's an incredible listener. As a matter of fact, on more than one occasion when I have left time with him, I wonder if our relationship is a two-way street, meaning I'm afraid that I have gotten way more out of it than I have given. With that, I can't wait to hear what he has to say today. And so here he is. Ace Yankee, welcome to Embrace the Imbalance. Ace, I have to start by asking you a question. You have climbed many a mountain, and I want to know, do you even know how many mountains you've climbed at this point? I have lost track, um, lots, more than I probably um, should have. It's been about a almost a 20-year journey. I've climbed three of the seven summits, three of the highest peaks uh, on the seven continents, and um Lots of mountains out west, uh, both uh, mountaineering and technical rock climbing. I've been very fortunate. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a lot. <laughs> you were in Nepal in 2015 when there was the earthquake that killed nearly 10,000 people. Where were you at the time of that earthquake? We were on our final day to get to Everest Base Camp, which is at about 17,000 feet. So we had made the trek from Lukla. Um, we were a few hours still uh, hike or climb not a technical, but a hike to Everest Base Camp when when the earthquake struck around noon on April the 25th. Quite an experience. I was with a group of people um, and one of our team members was from California. He knew right away um, that it was a big event. You know, for about 30 seconds, we were shaken from side to side, um, trying to get our footing. It was a, a snowy, overcast day. We knew we were kind of in a valley on our way up uh, where we were at the time. We had mountains around us, and we heard lots of rock slide, uh, debris coming down, but we felt that we were in pretty open, safe space, which turned out to be the case. What's ironic about that whole experience for me and I think my teammates at the time is we were supposed to be at Everest Base Camp on April the 25th at noon in the ER tent. As it turned out, when we got to Kathmandu, we changed our itinerary uh, by a day and delayed our leaving Kathmandu to get to Everest Base Camp. As it turned out, we were one day from getting there, a few hours. Had we been at the tent, tent was shredded and destroyed. People inside the tent survived. People, Some people outside the tent did not. There were people, many people at Everest Base Camp that were killed because the avalanche that came down through Everest Base Camp if you're a Christian, you, you would say that was fate, that we were not there. Um, if you're a Buddhist, uh, you might say it's good karma. Uh, I think the Jewish religion has a term that's uh, called Bashar um, that talks about that. And, you know, it was maybe just plain damn good luck that we happened. <laughs> but it does make you think about, you know, the choices you make and the gifts that we're given. Every day is a gift. And that's how I think we all need to, to look at life and think about what we can do today, because tomorrow's not guaranteed for any of us. You make it to the top of the mountain. You don't always have a lot of time to sit there, right? I mean, I think people's right. minds think you get to the top of the mountain and you sit there and you take a picture and you 
you know, sit with your feet dangling off the edge and you reflect on life and look all around, but how much time do you typically get at the top of, of a mountain? I'm sure it depends on the size, but. Yeah, it does. But, you know, I'll use um, Denali at 20,000 feet or Aconcagua in um, uh, the highest peak in the Western hemisphere at 23,000 feet. And those expeditions, you know, take um, maybe weeks uh, to get to the summit. You climb up a little bit and then you climb back down uh, to acclimatize and then you carry your supplies up a little higher and then you rest and then you come back down and rest and then you climb past that point. So you actually climb the mountain at least twice. And the summits are relatively short periods of exhilaration. On Denali, I think we may have spent 20, 25 minutes, uh, take a few photos, uh, celebrate, and then come back down. You spend little time there. And what you realize and what you have to realize is that the most dangerous part of the journey is the trip back down, not the trip up. If you've reached the summit and you're coming back down, you're, you're spent. You're spent physically, you're spent uh, emotionally, and it's easier to make a mistake. And, and you've been at altitude for a period of time where you may not be thinking as clearly uh, because of hypoxia. Uh, your judgment can be clouded, and that's where trust of your climbing partners has to come in uh, to say something to you and say, you know, we shouldn't do this, or we need to go down, or you're not thinking clearly. And have you experienced that? I have, not personally myself, but uh, through teammates. How did that look for you witnessing that with your teammates? A, a really good example, and I don't I'm, I'm not talking out of school here at all. Uh, one of my longtime climbing partners, Larry, he and I had, you know, he helped really get me started. He and I had this real dream and desire to climb and summit Denali together. So, you know, we went to Alaska, planned this for a few years. Um, so it was, it was a really big trip for both of us. It was probably um, 10, 11 days into what turned out to be a 21-day trip, Larry was experiencing some just some difficulties. And I had climbed a lot with him before, and, and I wasn't quite understanding what was going on. And at one point, he just sort of froze and really was acting like he was really cold. I thought he was really cold. And so I asked him, I said, Larry, you need more heat or, you know, do we need to go down? What? And he said, yeah, I said, Ace, I just don't feel well. And this is not good. You get back down to the tent and it's your tent. Are there others around because this is a camp? Yes, we are, we're, at a, we're at a campsite where there are probably, um, in our group, we were a climbing party with our guides of 10, let's say. And Larry and I were tenting together. So there are numerous tents set up around. You've got your guides who do this for a living, which I can't, right. and that's a whole different conversation. And it's cold. The wind is blowing. There's snow, I'm assuming, on the ground. Like right. you're bundled in all of your gear and you get back to this camp. And then what happens with Larry? So we, we get him in a sleeping bag, heat up, um, we boil water, we put it in Nalgene water bottles and get those in the sleeping bag with him because at this point he's shivering. So it's not like he has frostbite, um, but he's just, he's shaking. And it's at that point that Larry lets us know that he's had some medical issues with tremors. He's been tested for all kinds of things. He's been to the Mayo Clinic. And the only diagnosis that's possibly left is Parkinson's. So, you know, we have a, a team meeting. We talk with Larry. We talk about the safety of the group. We talk about Larry's safety. Because that's huge. It's not just the safety and the medical 
for Larry, it's about the team, right? right. I mean, one person, one person can be devastating to the rest of the team. Correct. And Larry knows he's reached his high point on Denali and he has to go down. And he does. And we continue. I had a couple of tough days after that because Larry was my partner, my, you know, my inspiration. And to see him uh, descending the mountain with a guide, not knowing how he, he really feels. Uh, I know he's a strong person and I, I'm confident that he's going to be get down and be fine. But uh, it was, I had a couple of rough days. And, uh, but we, we persevered and we went on and we summited, came back down, got home. And that's when, when Larry l- let me know that he, he had Parkinson's, it had been confirmed, um, and that that stress being on the mountain really was the thing that confirmed it. So that was a, that was a, a, a rough thing. And, and there, was, um, there was a disaster on the mountain while we were at advanced base camp. Um, there was a death on the mountain. Uh, we were involved with part of the rescue um, so it, it was a, it was a, an epic sort of not atypical big mountain experience for a lot of reasons. Bad weather. Uh, again, we were snowed in at advanced base camp at about 15,000 feet for a week where every two hours we had to get out of our tents, um, dig our tents out to make sure they didn't collapse. The Spanish team next to us uh, had some real serious injuries their, all of their tents collapsed. Uh, their team made the decision to go up. Um, our guides made all the right calls and said we need to stay put uh, once the storm cleared. But they were trapped up at Summit Camp for one final day. Um, we climbed up, uh, helped them. We brought a Spaniard in to our tent. He had survived the night up above, but was soaking wet. His down sleeping bag was clumped. And um, but he crawled in between the two of us, shimmied into his bag, and he was thankful to have some nylon over his head. So I'm a risk taker in a lot of ways, but none of this sounds fun to me, which I realize fun is not your ultimate goal. It's really dangerous. And I don't think people realize how dangerous it is. It's real on the mountain. It is. And uh, that's why preparation and control, there, there are so many factors that you can't control on the mountain. And that's why it's even more important to control the factors you can and to make good decisions. And usually what happens, Tina, is it's not one decision that um, gets you in trouble in the mountains. It's a, it's a series of poor decisions which is not unlike our daily lives. You know, I, I can make a poor decision here and get away with it. But if I continue to make those same poor decisions one right after another, they generally catch up with you. And it, it's just that in the mountains, they catch up with you a lot more quickly. Thank you for sharing and being open and, and for talking about yourself because it helps us learn things from you and your experiences. Well, you're most welcome. All right, friends, who is next? If you have any interest in coming on Embrace the Imbalance, email me at embracetheimbalance at gmail.com. Or if you know somebody who would be the perfect guest, let me know that too. Again, I'm Tina McIntosh. Thanks for being here. And we will see you again next week on Embrace the Imbalance. Bye.